as Paul continues in his ministry with Barnabas, he is faced with misunderstandings, attempts on his life, while at the same time experiencing miracles and fruitfulness of his ministry. So if you know someone who needs to pray through the highs and the lows of life with God, now would be the perfect time to share this broadcast because that's where we're going. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. We're going to dive into episode 115 today and pray together through Acts chapter 14. But before we do that, we're going to open with a bit of worship. And our verse today is Acts 14, 17. It says, although he did not, and speaking of about God here, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. So let's honor him with some praying through that verse. Father, I am, I actually am grateful for the rain. I appreciate the revelation that you have provided throughout nature for us. The grandeur, the beauty, the bigger than life, the bigger than than our, than we can imagine that we come upon a vista or something that's incredibly beautiful or incredibly amazing, or even when science comes down to finding the ways that things work in our lives that, that, are, that are astonishing. I appreciate the fact that you've provided revelation in the created world. Also worship you today for the idea that you have provided for us, that you have given us fruitful seasons. You have filled us with food and hearts with joy. Certainly some of us can say that more than others, but we all experience your provision in life. And I worship you and thank you, come to you in gratitude for that today. You are our provider. As we come through this time together, as we sit with this chapter and we pray through the things in this chapter, I pray that you would provide for us in this way as well, that you would nourish our souls with your word and that spirit, you would open it to our understanding, that we would understand what we read and are able to apply it to our life so that we might be changed to look more like Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Today we're reading and praying through Acts chapter 14. And in this chapter, we have Paul and Barnabas wrapping up their first so-called missionary journey. And we have drama and we have ministry misunderstandings and we have an attempt on Paul's life and we have their journey back to their home, back to their starting point. But it's a long chapter, so we're going to get right to it. Here we go. This is Acts chapter 14. I'm going to read, pray, read, pray through it. In Iconium, they entered the Jewish synagogue as usual, and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. So they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord, who testified to the message of His grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. But the people of the city were divided, some siding with the Jews and others with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian towns of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding countryside. There they continued preaching the gospel. I'm going to stop there and pray for that section. 
Father, I'm so grateful for so much of Paul's story that you give us in Acts, but I'm, I, I love that this sentence of the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. So someone was being influenced by an influence other than, than Paul and Barnabas, but their reaction is they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly. So much time in our lives, we feel opposition, and so we back off. And here the opposition happened, and Paul and Barnabas stayed for a long time and spoke boldly in your name. Pray that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to respond and react to opposition the way you want us to, because it's not always staying and speaking boldly before the Lord. They learned that they were going to be stoned, and they found out about it, and they left. So we shouldn't have an automatic responses to opposition, Father. We need your guidance. We need your direction, Spirit. We need to be aware of how you want us to respond in, in the moments. This is not a formulaic life that we lead, and we need your guidance. We need you to speak to us. We need you to tell us what you want us to do next. We need to be dependent on that voice. So help us to take all the patterns that we've learned in life or the expectations of our our ministry teams or of our churches and lay those at your feet and instead respond every time intentionally through your spirit. Going on, scripture says, in Lystra, a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet, had never walked and had been lame from birth. He listened as Paul spoke. After looking directly at him and seeing that he had the faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he jumped up and began to walk around. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended with the crowds to offer sacrifice. The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd, shouting, People, why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you, and we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he has allowed all nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what was good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. I think I'll stop there. I was going to keep going. Father, we have this new experience in a new town. Paul and Barnabas are preaching they have a miraculous sign of your power. And the people interpret it through the lens of their culture. Their culture was filled with Greek gods. And they saw Barnabas and Paul as a physical representation of these gods in human form. And so they responded by worship. It's very often that it's tempting for me and for others, for all of us, to interpret your work in our world through the lens of our own experience. That can be a really serious trap. I ask you to guide us. And maybe the theme of today is dependence on your, on your word, on your spirit in us to help us interpret cultural phenomenon properly, to help us interpret cultural phenomenon 
properly in light of your truth. Because when we are left to our own devices, we have no other recourse but to interpret it through the lens of our worldview. Help us see things. Help us see you in the world through your truth, through your word, through your spirit, rather than through our assumptions. Help us respond when we see that and we recognize that, as Paul and Barnabas did, with grief. This wasn't an intellectual argument with them, right? They jumped in physically. They ran into the middle of the crowd and they tore their robes and they shouted and they explained and they pointed them in, a, in the right direction and they barely came out of that by pointing the crowds to you, by stopping the sacrifice. It barely happened. So I guess what I'm asking for us is that as we see that in our own lives, help us not be afraid to engage with that truth. When we see it in our culture, help us not be afraid to engage with truth. Now, in this case, this was, and it, this wasn't something that was happening in the next state or in the next country. This was happening right there and was caused by something they had did. They had immediate experience of this event and they needed to respond immediately. We don't always need to rush in and yell at people, right? Give us wisdom on how to approach our culture with your message, how to correct errors with your grace with your love, because we often rush in with the attitude that we need to fix this because someone else is wrong. I pray that we would have such wisdom on doing that. Pray that we would, in any area where we are coming into conflict with the culture, that we are doing so with grace and with love. All right, so they've barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. The next verse says, Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowd, so these are Jews, these are unbelieving Jews, have come from Antioch and Iconium, followed them, and won over the crowd, they stoned Paul, and they dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them, it's necessary to go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. After they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. After they had arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a considerable time with the disciples. So we have three paragraphs. I just read three paragraphs. And they include this Paul being stoned <laughs> to the point where the people who were stoning him thought he was dead. And yet we have this in, oh, maybe three sentences. Amazing. All right, let's pray. Father, when they left, the opposition followed them and they completed what they were after. They stoned Paul. So Paul experienced this attack on his life that was actually successful. They thought it was successful. It should have been successful. They thought he was dead. They took him for dead and drug him out of town. And yet when the disciples gathered around his body, he got up and went back into town with them and left the next day for another town. Your care of Paul 
is so evident, the idea that he could have appeared to be dead and yet wasn't. I guess I feel like with this, if, if we just gloss over this sentence, these two or three sentences, that of course you rescued him. I feel like we do a disservice to the Spirit's work in Paul because Paul didn't know he was going to be rescued. He didn't know he was going to come out of this alive. I'm sure he was praying. I'm sure your spirit was present, but he still experienced this had to be painful. That is not a, I mean, they'd left him for dead. It was physically, a physical assault. And he experienced that pain, that um, attack. He physically experienced that. And I want to honor him for that, as just with the idea that we can go through that stuff, not realizing that you are going to save us, but with your spirit allowing us to do that. Spirit, you allowed Paul to experience that, but you rescued him. No matter whether it ended in Paul's death, obviously you were not done with Paul. He had a couple more journeys to make, a lot more people to share your message with. But he didn't know that at the time. And I just ask for his courage in our life, ask for his conviction of what he was doing in our life, and I ask for his reliance on the Spirit in our life. I pray that we would walk through opposition with such a dependence on you that we know which actions to take when, but we also can walk through hard things. I sat at dinner last night looking across the room at a woman who had a shirt on that says we can do hard things or you can do hard things and we certainly can but we do them because of our reliance on you we can walk through those things with grace and with strength and with courage and with wisdom because you are in our lives spirit because you are present and i guess i just ask for me for a deeper dependence on you today no matter whether i'm feeling the miraculous power like paul felt in healing a lame person who had been lame for life, or whether I'm being physically or figuratively stoned. I would walk through both of those experiences, those highs and those lows, with the same dependence on you. And then we see his travels back, that he spoke with churches he'd established, and that part of that word was encouragement, that he encouraged them, and that they appointed elders, and they prayed and fasted with them, and then finished their journey. I guess I love the fact that there was follow-up and that we need to also be aware when we create relationships, when we're serving with God in relationship, that it is a relationship, that we do have follow-up because those relationships are formed in love, in love, in service, and as, as brothers and sisters. And that as we look at the brothers and sisters who are working in ministry, whether that's within their family or in professional capacity, that we would encourage each other, that we would cheer each other on, that we would pray and fast together, and that we would be, oh, I completely lost the word I wanted, that we would be, I don't know where it went, but that we would encourage each other. We would be encouragers in the world to our brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where they serve. And then we see that they came home, that they came home where their journey started. They had accomplished their work. And how good must that have been for them to be able to rest, to be surrounded by people who were encouraging, to be able to share what you had done. That feeling of community is a powerful thing. 
I pray that we would have that, that we would have a place to come home to in a lot of different ways, that we would have a, a small group, whether that's family or friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can come back home to and celebrate your work, remember to share, but also a wider community as well. And that we spend time in that place, in that place of celebration and sharing and resting after a season of hard work. Pray that we would develop that rhythm in our life. Paul wasn't constantly on the road, so to speak. He wasn't constantly journeying. He came home and rested between. And we need to also develop that rhythm in our life. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me in prayer. I so appreciate it. If you're watching this broadcast on the Facebook page, the Grace and the Gravel Road Facebook page, thank you for joining me today, whether you're here live or by the replay. I so appreciate you being here. We'll be back again on Wednesday with another episode. We'll be in going through the next chapter, chapter 15. And I'm looking forward to seeing you then. If you're a podcast listener, thanks for, for joining me on that platform as well. I appreciate your support by hitting that subscribe button and so that you are so you know when it's coming, but also so the algorithm knows that people are interested in this. This show is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life and business. And my heart is that as we pray together, as we do this twice a week, that we would all grow in our prayer lives. But most of all, my prayer is that you will fall deeper in love with the God who gave us these words. Amen. Amen.